I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Travis. He began the process of transitioning during COVID. Let's talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I was actually drinking some uh, Collective Arts uh, last night. Wait. Yeah. Is that a is, Hamilton what does that brewery? Mean? It's a brewery in Hamilton. It is a brewery a, in Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> they make uh, their their um, ransack universe is like uh, it's one of my favorite IPAs. I I truly yeah love that beer. Did it's you so bring good. a growler back from there by any chance? Um, at one point, no, I never. I did remember a you growler. bringing back a growl some a, like a growler or two that had some like really wacky uh, like artwork on it. They're cans, yeah. Their cans are like or maybe it was really that. cool artwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like artists from like all over Canada. I think like submit really? different things. Yeah, cool. yeah. That's and sweet. inside the tap room, they have this room that's like a, it's like an art exhibit, which is all. It's like hundreds and hundreds of cans that line the walls and yeah, and they have like parties and stuff artists. there too. Like we yeah. went to like like that Halloween party for like. The managers at my restaurant. It was great. Yeah, right. Jerry, right. I, did, Jerry I didn't know you, you've been there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I was driving through with Becca last year, and we made a we made a, a necessary pit stop to stop in there. And uh, no, no, actually, it was it was Bridie. It was Bridie and me. We were dri- It was during our Turn Me On tour. We were driving uh, to check out a van or something. Anyway, whatever. Sweet. Travis, I am stoked to have you <laughs> on the show. Uh, we are. We're di- man, I feel like we're going to be diving into a fucking bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Um, but for uh, you know, well, I'll give the the quick little uh, the the uh, the 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 uh, uh, what's the what what's Cole's the, notes? You yeah, can do thanks. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Cole's notes. You're a host. Notes, you're a host of yeah. a show. I, you can I use, do it. I use words for a living. <laughs> yeah, um, use your words. The Cole's notes, uh, Travis. We are going to be talking about transitioning during COVID, I believe. Yeah, uh, but also you're you. You know and are well familiar with Crohn's, and and uh, well, let's also throw some addiction and homelessness in the mix. Yeah, why not? It's like it's a hat oh, trick, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's it, what would be a four a, 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 a four hat trick? Oh god, I don't even know. Ooh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Probably it's probably named after some hockey player from the sixties. Yeah, right. Like a, you know, it's like a it'd be like a Gordy Howe something. <laughs> what's would, what's more what than a hat? Because if you had like if a hat. Is, is it like a bucket hat trick? A bucket, I honestly, yeah, a bucket I honestly, trick. After playing, after playing <laughs> hockey for, for two full decades, I couldn't even tell you what the, what, what the term hat trick even like means or what it, what it refers to or why the hell it's called a hat trick. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just like when a dude gets three goals in a game. Yeah, but, oh. but, but why? Oh my God, though? guys, there's a name for it. <laughs> Do you guys want to know the name? So hat trick is three goals. Uh, pants trick is four goals. No, it no. isn't. The term, yeah, yeah, the term was invented That's by the nine-year-old nephew of Doug Stolhand 
one of the hosts of the excellent puck podcast. When a player gets a hat trick, three goals, you throw your hat on the ice. When a player scores four goals, you throw your pants on the ice. Okay, I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah. I'm into that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Cool, sweet. So, so great start, trick, guys. Pants trick. Great, great start. Uh, <laughs> so we've got, got a pants trick on our hands here. Yeah, yeah. So should, what should we do? Like, ch- like do like what fifteen to twenty minutes on each one of these topics? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, yeah. How about, do you guys want to do? How about, how about we start with this? Uh, let's take it way, way back. Uh, Travis, why don't you let us know? Uh, I, I I should know the fucking answer to this because we've talked about it so many times. But is Crohn's something you are born with, or is it something that you develop? over time or is it something that's just like triggered by a a certain experience so like from my understanding of it is like anybody can kind of get it and it just kind of becomes active in your body at some point um mine happened i was like i was sick and colicky when i was a baby so they think i had it like pretty young but i got really sick when i was about five and they're, they started testing for things, but especially back like in the early 90s, they were like, five-year-olds don't get Crohn's. They were testing me for like different cancers and things, and eventually oh, it took like two years trying to get a diagnosis, and then by the time I was seven, they were finally like, oh, fuck, you have Crohn's. Like, was it, that was, was, like, was it actually, was it like, actually though, they, in, in the mid-90s, they like didn't think that Crohn's was something that affected kids under like five years old or whatever? Uh, it ju- it just didn't happen like as often. Like it's mostly like you know thirty year olds and stuff. They saw like getting Crohn's or people like twenty to forty kind of age range. So like when right. there was a kid that sick that young, they're like looking into everything else first. Kind right, of right, right. Just not paying attention to Crohn's. Like cause just they just weren't suspecting it. Yeah. What was what was the experience of like you know Crohn's is a pretty poopy disease, literally Absolutely. and figuratively. <laughs> Um, what was like, what was, what was the experience of living with Crohn's as a youth? Uh, I think I kind of got like lucky in a sense by getting it so young, which I don't know, maybe sounds weird, but I I don't know what it's like to not have Crohn's. Whereas I've seen people get it when they're in their teens or they're like when they're a young adult or something. And then they have to like radically change their lifestyle as where, like I, I grew up on like tube feeding and doing different things and on mm. medications and like I'm not scared of doctors so like that that was pretty easy. Um, I didn't really understand it for like the first bit. I was seven, right? I remember sure. when they like sat me down to be like to give me my diagnosis and I was in the room with like my mom, my dad, my brother, and they're like, "Oh, you have Crohn's." I'm like, "Cool." Like, what does that mean? My brother's like, "You're gonna die," <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and they were like, what? they were like eventually but not maybe from this um. <laughs> eventually as will all of us here <laughs> but, 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 but hopefully not from this yeah hopefully something else completely <laughs> yeah no i was i was pretty sick when i was young though like when i like seven to like nine i, I had a lot of like tube feeding with like an ng tube and couldn't really eat anything orally at all Whoa. Um, Like, were you going to school at the NG tube and stuff? Oh, yeah. So I had this, like, sweet vest that held, like, a pump in it and then a backpack that I had to carry around everywhere that would, like, just pump breast milk into your nose. Yeah, basically. (laughs) And, and like, it it smelled bad, too, because I don't know if you've ever smelled, like, the food that goes into those pumps, but, like, so, like, just being, like, a little kid. (laughs) Taylor, yeah. wait, Taylor, and, like, you're shaking your head. You know this? You knew that it's yeah, bad? yeah. I played, um, I played like with, um, I played with and against um, a kid all growing up who probably from, 
Adam Hockey. He was, I think he got Crohn's when he was probably like around 12-ish, like 11 or 12. Right. So like Adam Peewee. And he had a feeding tube in. And, and I remember playing against him first when he had it and probably right when he got it and, and, being, and, and noticing that he had the tube because he never took the tube out. Um, you know, it was always in, not always attached to, to his, like, fe- like his, he wasn't always feeding obviously, but, um, but he always had it in. I was, and I always, I remember being like, what the fuck is going on? Why does he have that tube? And then we would play spring hockey together and, you know, we became really good friends and, and that was just something I was like an experience of mine that I actually look back to like in hindsight, doing this podcast and talking to people who have dealt with like everything under the sun and actually looking back to that experience of like knowing him and going, Oh, that was like a really early exposure to somebody who had, who, who had this like really, in, like really intense, like version of Crohn's where they had sure. to be feeding out of a bag all the time. But anyway, I particularly remember him being like, dude, smell this. No. <laughs> dude, yeah, no, it, it, it smells like pretty nasty. I remember being like in grade two and like none of the other kids wanted to sit next to me because like you could smell it. And like it made it was it was noisy is it, too, what right? Is it, like just, soylent? Like what's the like soylent green in a in a bag? Like what, oh God, what the fuck? Like, what are they? Pumping it's basically into? like it's like the insure stuff that you drink, but it, without love, any of like the nice flavoring or oh yeah. any of that. I love insure. I you, I drink the fuck out of it. Can I, you yeah. taste it though when it's going in through your, the tube through your nose? Like, can you taste it if you if you like burped or like threw up, which happened oh. a lot, then, oh. then you would. But yeah, I mean, the, man, the, tube, the tube isn't like, the tube isn't like just dangling at the back of your throat. That tube's like up the nose, in oh, yeah. the throat, past the hangy ball, through the, like through the, the, uh, the esophagus. esophagus, through the oh, yeah. sphincter into the, <laughs> into the gut. Yeah. I, yeah. It, yeah, it sucked. I remember. And out your asshole. So it, it literally, <laughs> so it goes, oh, sorry, I didn't finish. Yeah, it, it just went right through. through. Yeah. And then you're yeah. just constantly squirting out of this, like, tube coming out of your butt. And then yeah, you're the I mean, human Honestly, that, that probably would have felt better than, like, the shit I was taking at that age. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. Probably. So, like, um, like, Travis, did that fuck with your, did that fuck with your, like, social, you know, like, I, like, were you getting picked on or, like, like, socially, was that a, was that a difficult time? I, cause I, I'm sitting here and I can't imagine, like I wouldn't be caught, I wouldn't be caught in public taking my enzymes. You know what I mean? Like I, okay, I, yeah. I had a lot of shame around this invisible d- disease. You know, yeah. like you you were literally walking around with it on your face. It's yeah. very evident. Like, did you did that? What was that experience like? Was it was that tough? I mean, kids are definitely cruel, like unintentionally, because when you're that young, nobody like I didn't even fully understand it. So other people's understanding of it was even less than mine. So like, I remember like one time like a kid like ripped my tube out because they were like, what's oh, that? And they just I'm like, right. <laughs> like thinking about it no. now still, I'm like, oh, oh God. Yeah, and then <laughs> wait, later wait, wait. on. Like they, they oh my God, Jeremy, are you literally watching your mom's pulled it out? out? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean like there's only a piece of tape on your face really like right. holding it there. So like one, if you get past the tape, like you're good to just – that legit I just, got my gag I, reflex going. I imagine, yeah. was, I imagine <laughs> that being like as a kid, if you pulled that out of another kid, you'd be like, because it would keep coming, right? Because it yeah, would be so much be, longer yeah. than you think. It would be like a magic trick the, where, you know, when the uh, when the magician, magician pulls, pulls the like the bandanas out of, the out of there. It Did would, they get as, it all the I, way out? I, yeah, yeah. Oh my! Was, I feel like the kid would probably start pulling and go, ha ha. 
Ha-ha. <laughs> they, oh, were, they were definitely oh, more freaked out than me. I was just pissed off. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah, no, like, I have to get another this, one put in. Like, put fucking, in. Oh, yeah, Fuck that shit. That was, a, that was a fucking nosebleed, too. Yeah, and then yeah, I ended up too. having, like, later on when I was, I don't know, like, 12 or something, they're like, well, you need to go back on tube feeding, but you're, like, a preteen now, so we're going to give you a GI tube, which is the tube that goes, like, directly into your stomach. Your belly, yeah. And it kind of looks, like, once you have, like, the final, like, part of it done, it just kind of looks like a, you know, like, on a beach ball, like, where you have to blow the thing up? Mm-hmm. Like, it just looks like that sticking mm-hmm. out of your stomach, kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. But before that, it's this big, long, like, tube that wraps around and just kind of has a plug on it holding in, like, your stomach acid and stuff. Oh, my God. And so, like, my nickname ended up being Tubes. And, like, I remember this one chick picking on me. We're actually still friends somehow. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, she was just, like, making fun of me. And she's, like, Tubes, like, saying all this stuff. And uh, so I, like, opened the tube and sprayed her with stomach acid. Oh my, oh my god! Does but that, nobody ever that, fucking. What does that do? <laughs> it burns. I Did you? It's 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 like a, it, it Taylor, can like did you ever strip, play, strip paint off cars. Yeah, man. So did you ever mean. play? Did you ever play Mortal Kombat? <laughs> and when when uh, when when Scorpion's like get over here, or like Scorpion yes. shoots out of yeah. his mouth. Yes, it's yes, that. Yes. It, it gets in your eyes and you can't see and you can't fight right. anymore. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No one ever picked on me for it again, though. So it's a that, great finishing <laughs> move. It's so nasty. The total annihilation. Yeah. I like. I'm not good at fights, so that's just that's how that came out. <laughs> spray, your, spray your gut acid. Spray some tube uh, juice, whatever. Travis, I know that I know that at some point though, you like in your youth, you like so your your Crohn's got to a point where you where you needed um, like intense painkillers. Is that the kind of like, yeah? So like it was between like I had so many operations. Like I had that tube like inserted and removed like over the process of, like, five different surgeries or something. So between, like, that and being on painkillers for that, and then there was a point where I was just so sick that I was in so much pain, they were just giving me painkillers that I just kind of grew up on them without really knowing because they were just like, oh, like, you're in a ton of pain. Here's stuff for that. Right. And I was like, like cool, are we talking I feel T3s better. Or, or are we talking, like, like, like what kind of painkillers? Like, there was hydromorphine. Whoa. Stuff like that, because, yeah. like, I guess that's, like, the e- it's easier on your stomach a bit, too, than, like, Tylenol 3, because that has all the, like, acetaminophen and stuff in it, too. Sure. So, yeah. No, it, and I didn't really know, like, much about what I was taking, because up until I was maybe, like, a preteen like that, I just kind of took what they gave me. What did, what led to, did, did you, did you... Because I have a, I have a very, I have a fairly like limited experience with painkillers, but um, I, I broke my pelvis a, about a year ago, and and I was on um, uh, uh, the uh, whatever Dilo- whatever the technical name for Dilaudid is, hydro hydromorphine or hydromorphine. whatever it is, yeah, and 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 it was, and 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 I just remember being like. <clears throat> Oh man, I gotta be off these. Because <laughs> like, like, they're possible. real nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, uh, 
I think, like, for my most recent surgeries that I've had from getting, like, abscesses and things for Crohn's, they always put me on oxys, which are, like, my favorite fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it can it can get dangerous with that mm-hmm. even Wait, now. Do you, do you say that in, like, a, in like a really self-aware thing? Like, they're my favorite thing because, like, they help with the pain a lot? Or are you, like, they're my favorite thing because I'm, like, extremely addicted to them because they're I'm, extremely addictive painkillers? I am extremely addicted to them. So yeah. when I get, like, I don't the last surgery. I had they gave them to me and I remember I like I took them and like without really thinking just like kept taking them like an addict would and not like as prescribed and like I had people from my work like dropping off coffee and stuff and they're like oh like hey like it was nice seeing you yesterday how are you I'm like you were at my house what mm. well, like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, remember that like, I don't know. Yeah. and just like yeah, so it, it's like a it's a tricky thing too, and like you're an addict that has a disease where you're inevitably going to have to take painkillers at different points in your life because you're mm-hmm. like every time I have a surgery coming up, I'm like, okay, how am I going to deal with being on painkillers and making sure I don't keep taking them afterwards? Right. Do they, yeah. Is it just me or do do they? I'm saying they, but do some doctors prescribe like over prescribe painkillers? And I'm asking in the sense that like. <clears throat> This is anecdotal, but like my experience is that I've it's it seems like when people go through um you know like a really intense accident, for example, like you, Taylor, um it seems like people and I know this isn't necessarily maybe your experience, Taylor, but but it seems like people that I know always have like an excess amount leftovers. Of, of yeah, like leftovers, like where they're like, yeah. oh, I don't take those anymore. But then they have like <clears throat> a little bottle in the cover or cabinet at their house where they're like, Oh yeah, those are like really old you know, hydromorphone pills, I just didn't end up taking the rest of them or whatever. Is it, is it common to be overprescribed them? I mean, I don't know if it's people being overprescribed them because I never have leftovers, but I'm also an addict. So I am not an addict and yeah. I have been prescribed, you know, hydromorphone, Tylenol threes. Uh, I think those are the only two I've been prescribed over my lifetime, but I do have, you know, in the cupboard back here, I've got a bunch in there that I didn't use, but as someone who's not addicted to them and recognizes that you can very easily develop a health, unhealthy relationship to these pills, um, I, I personally speaking, I would actively when I, when I was on those pills, I would actively be questioning myself daily. You know, all right, do I, like do I necessarily need to take this today? If I don't. Let's see how long I can go. And that event, that span of time between taking the pills gets longer and longer and longer until you go, okay, cool, I don't need these anymore. And then inevitably it's like, well, they prescribed me a bottle of 30. I only went through 15. I have 15 left. And you do that three times in like the span of three years. And you're like, no, now I have like, now I have like close to 30 of these just stick, like kicking around. Or Wash them. So I think that's like the healthy way to deal with yes. it. But like when, like, like as an addict, I've definitely sat yeah. there and been like, maybe if I chew them, it'll it'll mm. hit me harder, and then mm. I can just you know. When did that start? Like when did you when when does the word addiction become a reality for for Travis in retrospect? So like thinking back is like a very clear moment when I realized how much I loved painkillers. So I was at boarding school in Nova Scotia and where we were, like, if you had any drugs or, like, anything on you that wasn't given to you by the nurse and you, like, took it there, you would get expelled for it. It was a very expensive school, so I, 
uh, I was going through my stuff one morning, like getting ready for class, like looking for a pen or something dumb. And I found three like Oxycontin pills that I had put away from like a surgery. Cause I'm like a fucking squirrel with my meds sometimes. <laughs> and I like get really high and just hide shit. Like I'm saving for the winter. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, and I was like, oh, I should just take them, and that way they're not there. It probably won't fuck me up that bad, but, like, up until that point, I had only been given, like, the actual prescribed dose, because mm-hmm. it had been given to me by my parents or whatever else. So I took them, I went to, like, the Wednesday morning assembly, <laughs> and I remember them kicking in and just not giving a fuck. I was like, this feels incredible. I just, like, got up, left, went to my room, and just, like, laid on my bed, and I was like, I hope I feel like this forever. Right. Whoa. Yeah. Like, did you did you get up and leave just, like, with the not giving a fuck feeling in the back of your head? Or was it like, a, was it like I'm feeling like I'm tripping out. I need to be out of here. I just want to be somewhere else where I can just, like, lay and enjoy this. Like, everybody started, I remember everyone was clapping. And it was just, like, it was, like, when you hear something, like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. I was just, like, oh. I am very fucked up right now, and I probably it, shouldn't be. Yeah. Did you ever, did you watch Midsommar? No. Uh, there's a scene in Midsommar where a guy is sitting at a table, and um, and they're, they're like hallucinogenic uh, tea has been passed out to people, and and if you've seen the movie, <clears throat> there's a moment where this guy turns to this like older gentleman, and he goes, "What's happening?" And he's tripping out, and the old guy just claps in his face and it's like this visually you're like whoa whoa and it makes you feel really uncomfortable i just envisioned that in that moment everyone's clapping and you're going (laughs) like on the inside yeah it was just because like i felt like something had been kind of like missing because i hadn't been taking painkillers like a lot recently and i was at this school and i was like not fitting in very well and having to deal with like tube feeding and all these things right and like being trans but not really understanding mm. what even trans meant at that point mm-hmm. and then just feeling like that i was just like oh i am complete this is great what what year what year was that what was that i was 12 so math i'm 29 now um, oh, okay so like two several years ago. one two three somewhere yeah in that somewhere in there early 2000s yeah you're, a 90, yeah. you're a 90 91 yeah um so you're how the, does that you're 90 bro uh, well, I'm a 90, and I'm 29. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm an 88, whatever. <laughs> so, it's like what a hockey player would say. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, so uh, you, I'm, I'm, how does the, how does your like, what I'm what I'm like ultimately really fucking fascinated by is your experience with addiction and having and having something where you get where you are prescribed painkillers to deal mm. with pain and how you deal with that, but. I think like getting to what that is like for you, like what is, how does that, how does that experience of being at school, taking those Oxycontins and then, and, and, and how, like how does that go forward from there? Like, what is your experience? How do you, how do you, how does your, how does addiction like evolve for you over time um, over the next you know, however many years that, 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 that is. Is is this the diving board for, for living with homelessness? Yeah, basically. So I knew, like, li- like literally, like, once I felt like that, I was like, this is it. I'm going to fucking... And I, I knew that I had access to, like, that I could get access to painkillers that other people wouldn't be able to get access to just right. because of my health thing. So if I go to the doctor, I'm like, I'm in a ton of pain when I 
have to, you know, because I'd have to do this thing with my, like, G-tube where you take a silver nitrate stick and burn off the skin around it. Because your skin Ooh. from, like, your stomach tries to, like, come out and grow around this tube. So I'm like, if I go to my doctor and I'm like, it was painful as fuck, but if I was like, hey, right. it's too painful, I can't fucking handle it, I need something for it, they'd be like, yeah, no problem, here's... I don't right. know, sure. whatever, exactly what you want, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Does, does it become a problem where, like, you're trying to go too much, though? Because I, I remember my my um, my uncle um, has experienced homelessness and uh, has been uh, severely addicted to Oxycontin. And, and um, I was driving through downtown Dartmouth one day, and I saw him standing on the side of the road. And I, so I pulled over, and I said, Uncle Mike, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just going out of the doctor's office to try to get some more oxys. And I was like, oh, um, do you need to drive? And he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I'm just driving along. And I'm like probably 17 at the time. And and like I, I just think he's going to get his prescription drugs. But he starts like t- talking to me openly about like, you know, I just can't stop taking these things. I, you know, my doctor probably won't even fucking give me any. Like I just need yeah. to go down and try to get as many as I can <laughs> right now so that I can, you know, have them when I need them type of thing. And And like – there like obviously his doctor didn't want to prescribe him more because he knew that he was addicted and was like just um we're trying not to use the term like pill seeking anymore drug seeking um yeah but like he's just he was just addicted to it and he he needed it so like was there was there any concern um from your part that like you would go to the doctor and there would be a point where they'd be like all right travis like you know we've we just gave you some yesterday and that should have lasted you for a week and here you are again tomorrow or today yeah which is basically what happened like fairly quickly and they were like okay like you're fucking you're you're cut off like they're like you're done like you can deal with the pain unless you're having like a major surgery or something like we're not giving you any more of these and i was Mm -hmm. like okay fuck so but i was going to this boarding school where i was like a canadian student but there was a lot of international students who they weren't allowed to leave the campus because they were scared that, like, they would go and not know the culture or something of Canada and maybe do something wrong and get into trouble or something. But they were all looking for drugs, too. So they'd be like, hey, if I give you 500 bucks, will you go get me these drugs and bring them back and we'll share them with you? I'm like, absolutely, I'll fucking do that. So... I would just, I started like going on these drug runs basically for other people at my school in order to get pills for myself. And they also had no idea really like how much drugs cost in Canada. So I was like, cool, I'm going to take a nice chunk of this. So I was basically supplied the entire time I was at boarding school just from other people wanting like weed and shit. Wow. Yeah. So that, that worked out for me. And then. After my second year of boarding school, they kind of, like, asked me nicely not to return. I wasn't, like, a terrible student, but, I mean, I wasn't, the best. I wasn't the look they were going for, for sure. sure. Um, was that, was that the ba- like, <clears throat> hold on, though, because this is in Nova Scotia, correct? Yeah. Was that based on, like, the trans thing, or was that more based on the drug thing? They didn't. Because I could go I didn't way even know about the back. trans. I didn't even know sure. about the trans okay, thing okay. fully then. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, so it, it wasn't that. It was just kind of, I think it was like they knew about the drug thing, but they didn't want to address it because then they had to right. admit the like the massive drug problem going on mm-hmm. in their school in general. Yeah. So it was more of a like, hey, like we're just going to 
nicely part ways because you don't seem like you want to be here and we don't really want you here. And I was like, cool, sounds good. So I tried public school for like a month uh, the next year and that did not go well um, for like a number of reasons. And I had been still talking to someone who was a friend at the time from boarding school. She was, she had graduated grade 12 and she was like, Hey, like, why don't we just move out? And I was like, okay, cool. So being like 14 or something at the time, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to move out. Mm. And my brother had always kind of like had this thing with my parents where he'd be like, Oh, like I'm going to move out. And then three days later he'd come back and be like, it's too hard. I can't fucking do this. So I was like, when I was like, Hey, I'm going to move out. They were like, okay, sure you are. Um, Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. So like to the point where like my dad was so confident that I would be coming back that he like drove me. And I remember him being like, like whose place is this? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's like, it's mine. I signed the lease yesterday to this like tiny little storage room on the corner of Queen and Tobin, downtown Halifax, Mm-hmm. where it was like $290 <laughs> right yeah it, it wasn't bad it was a it was literally like this old Green storage room <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe we were neighbors who knows uh yeah so we moved out she was older than me but I knew a lot more about drugs and then we started getting into it together and like living downtown which turned into selling drugs because there was no way I could keep up with like right. my habit without some kind of like making you know like eight fifty an hour at Subway, sure, so yeah. um, and we started selling and like quite a bit and like you know don't get high on your own supply is it's one of the one of the most one important of the, rules. In that, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. that's an iconic quote. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> so I did that, and um, as she kind of started to because she had never been involved with anything like drug related before our relationship. Uh, so as she kind of tried to get out of it, I was going more into it where I started using, like I graduated from cocaine to crack and meth and Mm. from pills to heroin. And so as that kind of happened, we broke up. Um, and that's when I ended up homeless. Right. And so what was that? Sorry, go ahead, Bri. I was was just going to say like it, um, like you're you're so young at that time and like it seems like you're you have a relationship with your your family obviously like your dad drove you to your your new place um was there any communication or interaction with your family through all it this de- it definitely stopped there there was a good like couple years where i just they were trying to reach out to me and they would try and call me but i was just so young and not really knowing what I was doing and so fucked up that Mm. I just would ignore their calls and not really talk to them. The first time I actually got back in contact with them, I called them from rehab. I think when I was like 16 or 17 was like, Hey, and had to have like a 10 minute conversation explaining that I was not in like physical rehab, that I was in rehab for like hard drugs. Oh, Right. Which was that was mm. that was a conversation for sure. Yeah, how how did your and how did your how did your Crohn's? What how did that play in all? Like, yeah. I, I, I I mean, you must be managing it in some capacity at the time, or is it like is it a total back burner like issue that is just causing you pain while you're while you're sort of like going in like kind of like going step by step into into 
different drugs along the way? I mean, it's hard to say, like, exactly what was what, because I was so, like, being, like, using that much and being that sick. Like, if I see pictures of myself from then now, I was, like, 90 pounds. Like, I I was very clearly ill, but whether it was just addiction or Crohn's or probably a mix of the two. Right. Right? And then once I actually got clean and, like, went and saw a doctor again and did all that, they were like, oh, like, you're bowel is so dead in some spots and inflamed that like you need a bowel resection like we got to cut that out whoa so like i definitely i definitely did some fucking damage right did you did you try neglect damn like yeah from neglect over the yeah whether like neglect plus like i mean like i didn't like drink a lot or do anything because it it, honestly it's way easier to get heroin as like a 17 year old than alcohol which is right sure scary yeah it's kind of fucked hey, yeah. did, did you did you seek medical attention like during that span of time where you where you were experiencing homelessness like like we one of our one of our uh, guests that we've had on the show a number of times Do- dr nahid dasani he's he's a physician who provides care in particular palliative care for for those who are experiencing homeless and homelessness and you know it's like when we talk to him about his job it sounds like the fucking hardest job on the planet because people who are are experiencing homelessness don't get the care that they deserve, don't get the care that they need, don't get looked at or viewed at in a way where, like, you know, there's a lot of inequities there. Did you experience any of that in in your in that period of your life when, like, you know, in a, in a point where maybe you needed some, like, medical assistance and sought after it? I mean, I didn't, but I also needed just, like, any kind of adult supervision because as, like, a 14, 15, 16-year-old just, like, getting high and partying every day, I was – I wasn't answering my doctor's calls. I wasn't I wasn't going to, like, sure. see a physician or doing anything. So it's not like I was denied medical care yeah, in right. any way. I just – I didn't seek it out because – I knew that the first thing they would tell me is that I was an addict and I needed to fix that. And I was not ready to do that. Right. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, this is probably isn't the correct way to put it, but it it sounds like you, you got lucky in that you didn't, you didn't find yourself at a point where like you really truly in that moment needed medical care like medical intervention big time. Yeah, no, or that, then like, you had to like jump through those fucking hoops because I'm sure. Yeah, no, so I definitely hard. did get lucky that maybe like my Crohn's didn't get worse during that time because I, I don't know what it would have been like trying to get medical care like yeah. in that situation or how I would have even gone about it. Like <clears throat> I didn't have a phone for a lot of the time. I was like making yeah. calls from even like calling like rehab from a pay phone. Shit, how, did, right? how did you get sober? Like who helped you get sober? It was actually mm-hmm. so I was like outside my work one day because i somehow managed to like hold a job through all of this wow, if not really? like two or yeah. yeah i don't know it's <laughs> um that's a miracle i think i i think most of them just felt bad and didn't fire me because they're like there's this 15 year old fucking homeless kid who just she shows like she at the time shows up for work and like maybe like maybe this is just helping her out but uh yeah so i was working at this place down connected to like the radisson and um i was shooting up like before I thought anyone would get there and my chef at the time got there early 
And he just, I remember him looking at me and being like, how, like, how much drugs do you actually do? I'm like, bro, if I told you, you would not believe me. And he was like, wow. okay. And he like, he called off for the day. He's like, I'm going to take you home. You're going to sleep in a bed for like, I don't know, the first time in a long time. Oh, wow. And he kind of just gave me like some resources that I could like call and do whatever. And I think I stayed there for like two days and then my withdrawal was getting really bad. So I was like, I'm out. Like, I don't need this. And then very quickly, it was like the middle of January in Nova Scotia. So you guys know what it's like trying to be outside, like, you know, getting from like your car to inside. It's fucking awful. So eventually I like, I, I had this number for a youth rehab in Nova Scotia called Choices, and I was like, okay, I'm going to, like, I'll call them and see what's up. And I, I called and kind of, like, told them my situation, and they were like, you have to go to detox first. They're like, because, like, honestly, this is youth rehab, so, like, some some people get sent here because their parents caught them smoking a joint or right, something. Right. So, like, we you can't come in and, like, detox off heroin here. Like, that's <laughs> that's not going to work. Right. You're going to scare They're just like, you're too hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> You're way too metal. Is Choices not the worst name for that? It just feels so patronizing. Look at the choice you made. (laughs) Make better choices. You need to come here and think about the choices you made. You, you mentioned you mentioned that you were coming like you're with porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table. Featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics, they all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. And Decent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Draw was kicking in. And uh, and I mentioned my limited experience with, with painkillers um, early on. I, and I... I, 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 wa- I just want to get your perspective on this and, and tell me if I'm headed in the right direction or, I mean, it's probably u- unique for everybody, I'm sure, but I was, um, I, I had, I had probably two or three pills left and, and I was, but I was, I was sort of coming to the conclusion that I was like, the pain was enough for me to not need the pills anymore. Yeah. And, um, and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to, um, I'm going to stop taking them. And, um, and the, and I actually kept the, I kept the bottle like on the, on the, on the, the, I was, I had a broken hip. So I was, I was like, you know, not going anywhere. I put the bottle on the table beside the couch and, and, and I kind of wanted actually to, to like, I had heard, I had just, I had been told that these are really addictive, you know, like it's obviously opioids, the opioid situation over the past few years has been like a much louder, there's been like a much louder, um, uh, voice talking about opioids over the past few years. Um, and, and so I, I didn't take them and, and probably, 
the next morning I started to feel pretty shitty. And probably a few hours after that, I felt like I was in a, like a full on sickness. And, and I thought to myself, I don't want the drugs that I know are left in the bottle because I like how they make me feel, but they will stop this. They'll yeah, take this so away. It, there becomes like a certain point when you're using where like, like in movies and TV shows, they show like, you know, someone getting high and they're nodding off and they're super fucked up, but there becomes a point where it's just maintenance. Like you're not, you're, you're not having fun anymore. You're not taking it because you feel awesome. You're taking it. So you don't feel awful. Right. Yeah, like I imagine when you were shooting up before work that you're not like all of a sudden walking around like a zombie through work like and work's going to be tight and, and maintaining your job at the same time. Like that would be a pretty that yeah. would be there'd be pretty low standard there of work if if you were yeah. just basically like nodding off throughout your entire shift. But but it was it kind of like that like you were just at that point you were just It was maintenance it like, and I I was using like things to like balance it out like if i took a little bit too much heroin i would shoot some meth afterwards to like bring myself back up and it was just this like weird fucking game that i played for years of like trying to get like the right level of fucked up so i could still function and not get sick in terms in terms of your your mental health like it sounds like to some extent and correct me if i'm wrong that that even like the taking when you mentioned when you started, you know, you took those three oxycontins before that assembly. Um, that it was part in in part to deal with kind of like the the bullying and like your and to kind of like at least feel better in terms of your mental health. Did was was your drug addiction in large part like a coping mechanism for all of like the the shit that you were dealing with? in terms of like the struggles that you were going through in terms of your mental health or was it just kind of like this path that just kept evolving as you, you I mean I think on? in part it was to cope with some of that stuff but I always just felt like really fucking uncomfortable in my skin and I just I didn't yeah. know why and I mm. think that's like part of where like the trans thing comes into it because mm. I was trying to like feel okay in this body that I didn't want but I, I didn't even really know what that meant until right. much later. Like the first time I ever even saw like a, a trans person in any kind of media was um, Angel in the musical Rent. Right. And I remember mm. seeing it and being like, oh, wow, that's so cool that dudes can become chicks. Like it would be so fucking wicked like if I could become a dude. Like I wish that was mm. a thing. But, like, in rural Nova Scotia, nobody talks about that. So, like, yeah. I didn't know that it was a thing. Yeah. Um, and then I actually I met the first trans person I ever, like, knew that I met, I guess, when I was, like, 17. And it was just like, oh, fuck. That checks out. Mm-hmm. Like, you can it, do that. Is and that I, when – is that the age that you were when when you started to realize, like, oh, maybe that's me? Yeah, like it's like once as soon as I met them and they like kind of, they just like talked to me about their experience a little bit. I'm like, oh fuck, that's that's absolutely me. 
I was right. like, so I should probably bury this for another 11 years. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you were, you were 17. Oh, um, and, that's and, me. You know, <laughs> fuck that. Yeah, yeah I was now. like, that sounds fucking hard. No. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we are kind of... Maybe we're kind of blowing through the the rehab section here, but like that that was that was then. Uh, you you correct me if I'm wrong, but you you didn't actually come out as trans until this year, right? Yeah, it was maybe like maybe like eight months ago or something. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. Fuck. Yeah. Wow. Like very recently, and 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 was that was there was there a catalyst to the to to the decision to to make that to to come out and start to make that transition or yeah yeah there definitely was that like a slow building process over fucking years and years i mean it was like a building process over years because i was like you know what maybe like i was like i don't want my life to be harder my life is like at that point i was like it's already been kind of rough so you know uh i was like i'll just i'll be gay it's fine whatever um i'll just be gay for now yeah i don't want to overcomplicate this right i mean i'm like everything's already complicated enough like this is fine um so but then like you know with like different partners and like going through and like not being able to like hold a relationship because of certain things or people being Mm. like just like really like i think i feel like some of my partners noticed it and as soon as they would notice it i'd be like deuces like i'm out yeah um just because i didn't want to talk about it and then so i was just like i'm just gonna stay single if i stay single i don't have to worry about it i don't have to talk about it i don't have to deal with it and it came to this like point where i was so uncomfortable with like myself and my body and like what the rest of my life was gonna look like having to like not transition that i was like i'm just gonna kill myself because that that seems easier right um and actually like i I went on this cottage trip with a few friends of mine last summer like a few weeks after my birthday and i was like cool i'll go i'll like i'll have like a couple nice days with friends and then i'll kill myself before we come back it'll be fine well like that was that made more sense to me and seemed easier than having to come out again because i already mm -hmm. came out as being gay and having to come out again and go through like a transition especially like at my age and not like not that I'm old but I'm not you know I'm not a teenager right mm-hmm. yeah um yeah and then you know a night I had a night with one of my friends we drank way too much fucking alcohol cuz it was like three bartenders and two cooks at a fucking cottage in Napanee classic yep um yeah so I ended up telling one of them kind of like what I planned on doing and they're like what oh wow. they're like no um so I agreed to like come back and go to therapy and like get back into that because they're like have you gone to therapy lately I'm like fuck no because then I would have to tell them what's going on in my head <laughs> um but like even then like I still didn't come out to them because I was like I'll go I'll do these therapy sessions and then I'll kill myself later and they'll feel better about me trying to fix myself and I actually I have a fucking great therapist. I started seeing her when I was 16 years old, and which wow. is like when I first got into rehab. So she knows oh. pr- everything. She everything, literally yeah. fucking everything about me, like um, except for the trans. Except identity. that's the one thing that she did right. not know. Yeah. And so I ended up like talking to her about it, and like I remember even like coming out to her, and she was like, "Yeah, like." I wasn't expecting you to say that, but like, I'm definitely not surprised. 
I was like, okay, like, <laughs> thanks. What was, what, what was that? What was that? Like, what was that thought process like hearing that? Like, were you, were you, did that feel good to hear or were yeah, you Yeah, kind of because like, I was, she's like, you've, you've always been like, kind of like, I don't like on the, like the spectrum, spectrum of gender. Like, she's like, you've never conformed to like stereotypically female things she's sure. like so she's like yeah like that that makes a lot of sense and then we just kind of like went over like how i was feeling because she wanted to like make sure that's what it was and i wasn't just like getting confused with something else um and then the first person i ended up coming out to was actually my chef tyler and she was driving me home from work one day and i just like verbal diarrhea all over her car and was like, Hey, I'm trans. And I like, as she's like pulling into my driveway and she's like, what? <laughs> um, right. uh, she, she was amazing though. She just like smiled at me. She asked me like super nice fucking questions. Cause she's actually like, pretty educated. Like almost, I think at the time she was more educated on trans things than I was to be honest, right. because I <laughs> sure. just like, I, like, I actually, I was pretty shitty cause there was like a certain amount of time where I, almost came off as transphobic because I thought if people even saw me like aligned with that community, they'd be like, it's cause you're trans. They'd isn't know. It? They sure. would know they'd right. be able to see it. Um, what's the difference? Like I, I would, what's the jump from, because I, I think that there's a lot of people out there and I, I just want like, I want to kind of get your, get into your, your thought process on, I think there's a lot of people out there that would, that would say like, Hey, you you came out as being gay what's the like what's the big deal about being then about then coming out as trans like you're already sort of like in that um you know you've you've made this big jump already isn't it just like isn't it just like you know like a shade different i guess like there would be a lot of people that would probably think that like what is that why where is that that what is that jump that you're making in that's what is that gap in your mind where you're going from okay i'm I, i've come out as gay but like trans is it be, be saying or acknowledging that i am trans is is this like you know next level jump like Honestly, I think it was me being in my head about it because I like the only negative experience that I've had so far coming out to like all of my friends and family has been in healthcare. So like not people Ooh. that actually care about me, but like even um. like even my mom said the same thing like when it came out to my mom, she's like, "Well, like she's like we care more about like your happiness than anything." She's like, "We don't want your life to be harder than it has to be, and we know that like being trans comes with like a lot of like more surgeries and things that you you already have a ton of surgeries and so like they didn't want that for me but it 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 was this just this non issue kind of for everyone they, yeah. and a lot of people had the same reactions as my therapist and they're like oh yeah like that makes sense like yeah. i'm not surprised and i was like mm. i was have like guys- why the fuck didn't i do this 10 years ago <laughs> yeah. have you guys ever yeah. seen uh, game over man no, no. With uh, the guys from Workaholics, there's like no. it's like it's like a diehard parody, basically. And and Blake from Workaholics, he's he's in, in the oh I did in see the, it in the yeah. movie. He's he's hiding from his two best friends that he's gay, and and at the end of the movie, like where after they like you know they save all the hostages and all this stuff, he's like he's like guys, I need to tell you something, and they're like, yeah, you're gay, and he's like, <laughs> and he's like what, and he's like. 
Dude, you, you've come out to us like 80 times. Every, every time we drink, you come out to us. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> he has no idea that he's come out to them yeah. like dozens of times before. I, yeah. They're like, it's cool, man. We're, we're good. You've actually made out with both of us before. It's fine. The thing that I, I want to kind of just add to this, though, that like to your point, Taylor, of like, what's the big deal? Like, you know, you're, I, I want to say that I don't, I, I asked that question no, no. not to diminish, not to diminish no. like the difference between one, between like coming out as being gay or coming out as being trans, but, no. but just to like get the thought process on yeah. from, from your perspective on, 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 on being okay with coming out as gay and then, or, and then having a lot of anxiety to, to the point of, of, of thinking about suicide for, to rather than come out, as trans is one. Yeah. Thing, like, I, yeah, totally. And, and I think that, you know, like Travis, to your point of saying like you were in your head about it, um, that makes a lot of sense to me, you know, like that makes a lot of sense that you were in your head because we, you, you said something earlier about the first time that you saw someone who was trans in, um, in like represented in media and it was angel from rent. <clears throat> and it reminded me of, um, this documentary that I just recently watched uh, about a month ago called Disclosure. And yeah. it, it basically, like, it's the, it's, it chronicles the history of trans folks who have been, and the representation, the, the lack of representation of trans folks in media yeah. over, you know, over the, the history of, of film and television. <clears throat> and, um, and how much of a role that plays within us as a society in terms of, like, thinking about trans people and and the way we see trans people and the way that we wrap our heads around the idea of trans people um you know and like like the one of the parts in that film that sticks out and I probably talked about it on the show but one of the parts that stuck out the most was this trans woman who's exp- she's talking about how the first time she ever came out to anyone in her life was like a, a a colleague and friend. And she said to this person, I'm trans. And that person's response to her was, oh, like Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs? Yeah, like that's, <laughs> you know? that's the representation we have in, yeah, in yeah, media, this- which is like, and if that's how you view yourself, like if, you, if that's what you grow up seeing as trans people, then that's what you're, you're like, oh, if I come out, that's, that's how people are going to associate me. No fucking wonder you're in your head. You know, yeah. like no no wonder that the, it's such a monumental thing to fucking like it's it, for some people it's this huge leap of faith. Because yeah. for this woman to say I'm trans and for her friend to go Oh, like that serial killer <laughs> in that fucking movie where yeah. he tucks his penis and like says oh fuck me would you fuck me like that's your that was her idea of what a trans person is like that's that's a really fucked up thing to think and to say to someone and for you to to, for you to hear that and to go wait that's what you think i'm i am like what the fuck like that is that 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 i will never forget that scene from that documentary like that really fucking that fucked me up (laughs) you know it it made me be like holy shit yeah like and then i started thinking like what what are the what are the ways that i've seen trans folks represented in film and you know this documentary lays it all out for you and you go i haven't like yeah even now like the only trans like women that you really see 
on TV a lot are like, isn't Orange is the New Black or Wentworth? And I'm like, does that make you comfortable because they're in jail? Yeah, right. Right. right, Yeah, yeah, totally. And I'm like, it's a step in the right fucking direction because at least they're being represented. But like, it's still in a negative way to some degree. I mean, imagine you had... Imagine you had a character like uh, James Bond who was like, did all the things that James Bond does, but then just happened to be a, a trans man instead. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it would yeah. do like it's, it. I just think of like the power of media and how, you know, if there was adequate representation and in roles like that, you would just be like, oh, this is totally yeah. normal. <laughs> that was yeah. one of my favorite things about The Last of Us, The Last of Us 2. Like it was the, the, you know, all of a sudden you're playing the game and then you, you, you stumble across this trans character that dude, you, don't, you don't, don't give you, it away. Don't give it away. Oh, you haven't yet. fucking played yet. <laughs> <laughs> no. Spoiler alert. Don't, don't. Oh my oh, God. No, he's so upset right spoiler. now. Oh, shut up. Oh no. <laughs> shut up. Anyway, uh, moving on. Yeah. Um, tr- no, but it was, curious. it was honestly, it was such a non-issue. It was like when I, right. like everybody yeah. that came out to, I remember cause I was like, oh fuck, like I'm a manager at work. So I'm going to have to like change like the company email that I have and I'm going to have to change all these different things. And like the suppliers that I talk to, do I have to come out to them or do I have to like, how do I do this? So I like, I set up a meeting with the CEO of our company that I work for the other bird. And I was just like, uh, I was like, Hey, will you meet me for coffee? She's like, yeah, no problem. And we sat down to talk about it. And I like I came out to her and she was like, oh, fucking thank God. And I'm like, what? She's like, I thought you were like quitting or dying because like you just you just <laughs> oh, wouldn't yeah. tell me what we yeah. were meeting about. And yeah. like, is and that she's like, can, can that sometimes be like, wait, it, you know, when something means a lot to you and, so good. <laughs> and, then so, and oh. someone's like, oh. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're not. A fuck. You're like, I thought hey, you were, fuck you. You're gonna yeah. tell me you had cancer. Like, you know, <laughs> it, like is that like it, is it is it a, is it always a relief or is it sometimes like, hey, hey, <laughs> like this is no, huge. Honestly, like it, it's a fucking relief because there's so many other parts where like they can get excited. Yeah. I'm okay, like, yeah. hey, like I'm starting testosterone. They're like, oh fuck yeah, like we're fucking here for this. Like let's mm-hmm. so, see you grow a fucking puberty mustache. Like let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like they can be excited yeah. for that. But like having like almost like a non reaction to like I remember like coming up to like my best friend and she was just standing there laughing the whole time. Like why are you laughing? She's like, I know, dude. Yeah. Like and I'm like. Why didn't you tell me? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're like I could have used yeah. your insight. Wait, so Travis, yeah. is there like, is there? Because I mean, we're talking about how like little um, representation there is in in media. Is there like a like a playbook for like when you decide or when you finally acknowledge that I am uh, a trans man? Like, is there like a hey, you you know, like when once you do this, that you can take testosterone, you can do this, you can do that, or is it just like? How do you figure out what to do after that point? Because like it, it almost sounds like you acknowledge it in your head and then in your community, but then like what happens? Like how do you yeah. start to, to actually like action that? Well, I mean, I watched like a fuck ton of YouTube videos because I was just like I the only place YouTube that you videos. can find like <laughs> trans people, I guess, in like media or whatever is on YouTube because they have channels being like, yeah. this is how my transition went. This is how you can get testosterone or whatever because they and they're doing those things and putting that content out because they know that there are so many people with questions that just aren't able to get like proper answers um so in doing that i ended up like trying to see my family doctor and be like 
And I went in, and I was all excited, and I was like, cool. Like, I just have to tell them that I'm trans, and then we'll go through the stuff, and we'll get testosterone. And they were like, it's a pandemic. I don't care if you're trans. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. They're like, do you have, do you have a fever? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a, a, wor- no, a cough? Do you have a cough that's fever? worsening? Yeah. Because the only thing we do yeah, is COVID yeah, testing no. now. <laughs> yeah, and they're just, they're not super down with the trans thing. They just, they continue to call me like by my old name and not prescribe me testosterone. And actually. Oh, really? Who does? Yeah, Even instead after of, asking? Do you, like, are you. Yeah, so like instead of they That's were supposed crazy. to send me somewhere so I could get a letter being like, yes, this person is trans from like a psychiatrist. And instead they sent me to this clinic that was like, they're like, we don't deal with anything related to that. Like we, they were thought, like, we, 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 we thought you came in so we were going to. Yeah, basically. They're like, we, we thought you were here so we could diagnose you with schizophrenia. <laughs> oh my God. And I was like. Fucking serious? Yeah. Whoa. And I was like. Oh, you're not joking. No, I thought you oh were my God. <laughs> holy shit! I mean, that they might as well have been trying to pray the gay away. That's fun. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like, in, they were just like sending me in like all the holy wrong shit, places. Travis. So I was like, "Fuck this!" So wait, is this is this a case of? I, I'm sorry, like, I, but to cut you off there, but is this a case of? Like, is your doctor transphobic, or or does is your doctor just completely fucked? Like, what? I, that, I that, honestly that don't know. So crazy to me. Yeah, like I I, I don't think that like she wants nothing to do with it because i was even like if i see this one clinic um you would have to keep prescribing me testosterone she's like no i won't do that and i was like whoa but why like I'll, you literally just have to write the prescription and she's like i don't know enough about it and i'm like well okay i'm like and i gave her some like tools where she could oh learn i'm like are you yeah. willing to learn about it and she's like no <laughs> That's crazy. Like, oh, so yeah. being willing to learn about it or do I'm like, I'm pretty like, sure that's actually your job, but that's 100%. I, I, I don't think and this is a he, family doc. Like this is your, is this your family doctor? It is my current family doctor. Yeah. yeah I think you, I think you for sure got unlucky. Yeah. I fucking hope, I fucking <laughs> hope so. And you know what? No, I'm going to put this out here right now. Cause I know, I know there's, a, there's a buttload of medical professionals out there who listen to this. I know there's nurses, there's, there's clinicians, psychologists, physicians. Like I, yes, I know is. you're out there listening to this right now. What the fuck is that? Like, it, like send email us letters at sickboypodcast.com. I want to like, I want to know what is the, what is that? Like, is that, did, and is there like Travis a rationale just, that somebody who, like, yeah, did, or, like somebody who's looking at like, is there somebody out there who can say, Hey, this is, this is where this doctor is coming from, from like a, I hope there well, isn't a rationale. I hope but, if, but, they, but if no someone offense. writes me that, I'm going to be even more fucking no, like no offense, annoyed because that, that just sounds so crazy to me. But, but if yeah, someone comes never, to you and says, I, I am trans and you go, uh, you might you might be schizophrenic like or <laughs> like that. But a, a that's doctor fucked. should never say um, I don't know enough about that, and then and not nor do I want to go and look it up. Yeah. <laughs> nor do I yeah. want to look into it. Like that's, yeah. that's I ended up, that, that's I, I did get a better doctor for my trans stuff, so now I have oh, okay. still well, that family fuck, doctor. Fuck that other doctor. Sweet, let's move <laughs> yeah. on to that. No, like so I. Um, one of my friends put me in touch with a trans friend of theirs and they were like, Hey, reach out to like this clinic. They're in St. Catharines, which is kind of far, but like, it's worth it. Do it. Right. Um, so I got an appointment with them, uh, and I've had a few like phone appointments cause COVID, 
um, sure. with the doctor. And basically you go through this like informed consent thing because testosterone isn't like okayed by like the, I don't know, health Canada or whatever as a form of okay. treatment because of all the effects that it'll have on you. And so they basically have to like redo a list of everything that it's going to do to you. And you're like, yep, I want that. Yep. I want, yep. Yes, please. And and they're trying to like warn you of the side effects. I'm like I'm well aware of the side effects. Sure, That's the entire yeah. point of me trying to take this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're like, yeah, but your voice is going to get deeper though. Yeah, and, and you like, might get like yep. a beard and like I don't, yeah, but you you're like, gonna have like you're gonna be really really moody. I can some of that. Like, you're gonna you're gonna want to like punch people and jerk off all the time. Oh yeah, sure? because you, you go through like menopause and puberty at the same time, basically. <laughs> yeah, so it's so fucked. So yeah, I, oh. so I finally got an appointment. So I go in. October 5th to start oh. testosterone and then that'll be a fun time for everyone I work Wait, with. Wait, so you start this you start October 5th of this year? Yeah. Wow, so you haven't even started yet. No. Yeah, a couple uh, weeks, Are you couple excited weeks, or are you nervous? I'm just fucking excited. I feel like yeah. I'm like because like people are like, "Oh, well like you just came out like 8 months ago. This is like a normal timeline." I'm like, "I know, but I came out in my head like 11, 12 years ago." Yeah, so right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. as it, yeah, that's as it, so like, awesome. like, as if, as if anybody is as following those two trajectories, like, at the same time, you know, yeah. like when you know versus when you, when you, when you like acknowledge publicly to the people in your life, as if those two, th- two, two things are often like happening at the same time. Yeah, yeah. it definitely did not happen at the same time. It was decade, a decade apart. Yeah, it it's pretty like you know it's it's wild to think, like the timing of it all is just so fucking crazy because, you know, COVID happened and we've talked about this at length on the show, but like, COVID happens, it feels like time stops, but really life has got life's going on, like life's got to continue to go on, and so there's these people out there that are like having babies during a pandemic, transitioning during a pandemic, yeah, having you know like having having surgery during a pandemic and it's, it's like mm-hmm. man what a what a fucking time yeah. to go through Sick this live yeah. Show? yeah yeah this thing <laughs> totally. yeah absolutely um, <laughs> travis i want to i want to ask you what you what your perception is in high, in hindsight after after you know you said you 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 sort of like acknowledged <laughs> in your head um that you were trans you know like a decade ago and then you know just just this year earlier on this year you you come out as trans and and I I you know actually one of our one of like our very first conversations like in the first handful of months of doing this podcast five years ago was um, was talking to a trans woman and and I remember uh, at the time feeling like feeling like conversation around um, around trans people was like really just getting going at that time, like 2015 ish. I feel like, like where do you see that conversation and like the evolution of that conversation over the past, like half a decade? I mean, it's definitely part of like what made it easier for me to come out. Cause like, as I said, like, you know, you started to see things get better and you did see some representation in media and mm. even even on people's social media, you'd see people like saying it and not just getting kind of, you know, like shut down by everyone or like abandoned mm. by their family. And I was like, oh, so like there is a chance of me being able to do this 
and it not be terrible. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a lot of people, especially like that are like my age, older, probably have a lot of like internalized transphobia and homophobia, which I, I think is something like the the queer community doesn't talk about enough. Yeah. Um, but like it's gotten a lot better in the last five years, and it's only going to get better because if you look historically at a marginalized group and being shitty to them, it's never gone well for those people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So kind of anyone that's trying to like stop trans rights from going forward at this point is not going to, they're not going to look so good. Yeah. Yeah. Five, they're definitely from now. part of a, <laughs> a, a diminishing, a diminishing population. Yeah. Just, just a couple of them and JK Rowling. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's, so you don't uh, read Harry Potter real, anymore, real eh? Piece of work that one. <laughs> no, I mean, like, and it sucks because, like, it. I think, I think the really shitty thing about that is, um, it's it was this great story about you know these people that didn't fit in, kind of yeah. being included and having a safe space and all that. And I think a lot of people in the gay community love those stories for yeah. that reason. Yeah, and right. it turns and then out finding out, just a fucking muggle. The yeah. Entire time, <laughs> the entire time she's a fucking muggle. The whole time. Yeah. She bamboozled us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really unfortunate timing that there's a Harry Potter game coming out for PS5. Right? Uh, yeah, uh, Travis, I do want to say that I, I really appreciate that... Um, that very glass half full um, uh, optimism that you uh, that you have on that, mm-hmm. and I and I and I would I would agree with that. And like all things, I um, like all things. Um, there's we're, we're in a constant state of, of of evolution and progress. I think, and and uh, and as as much as much as far as as many conversations, um, uh, including including the conversation around um trans people and and uh you know like the lgbtq community like there's a lot of progress to be made that has to be made but um i share your optimism in that and i and i and i appreciate your uh your perspective and like i don't from like what i was saying before too and like not wanting to come out and like getting to the point where like i was suicidal because i didn't want to i'm actually out now and very proud of it and like have had an easier time with addiction and things now that I'm Mm. out and able Mm. to live life the way that I want to and wanted to for so many years. And now I'm not trying to bury it with drugs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I was going to ask you, like, I mean, you've like hearing your entire story over the last hour, like I'm, I'm, I just find it, um, I'm really happy that you seem to be in the place that you're, you're in, yeah. today and i'm just wondering like is it how is your mental health today like is it do you feel like you are in this place where um you're finally like in control and kind of moving your life forward in the way that you you want to be yeah i mean like it's definitely like a slow process and like you know you wait for testosterone you wait for if you want top surgery or if you want bottom surgery and those things so like there's right. definitely still dysphoria which isn't isn't it's not a mental illness but it definitely affects your mental health um so like there's always like those things but in general after coming out i am so much better like with my mental health and with addiction and just um, like just every part of my life really because i felt like everything before like i was acting and hiding and mm. just trying to make sure like no one found out this fucking secret when mm-hmm. and then when they all found out they're like oh yeah 
Yeah, and then checks out. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, that makes sense. That's really that's really awesome. I'm 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 thrilled to to know that all that all that stuff has improved as a result. Um, yeah, me too. And I feel like that's I feel like that's something that can that that's a that's a narrative that can really help a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. like you know it's I think it's important that more. I just I want to see more trans people in the media, and I want to see them being able to tell their stories and. And just be in the media, and it doesn't have to be because they're trans. Yeah. Like. Yeah, like this. Like this podcast. Yeah. You're not here just because you're trans. You got Crohn's and addiction. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pant trick. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a pant trick. Yeah. You're a yeah, pants, pants trick. Pants trick. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Travis, uh, I got to say, this, is, uh, this has been a real treat, and it was really nice to get to know you for a moment. And um, uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to – sit down with a couple of strangers and be completely vulnerable and, and open up about your, your life. This has been really, really wonderful. So thank, oh, you. thank you guys. It's been fun. Yeah. Oh man. I loved that conversation. That was a really fun time. Mm-hmm. There was a lot there. I mean, it, you know, it's it's funny because like we were coming into that convo and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a pants trick. I don't know where to start. Do we start with one, two, three or four? Um, but I feel like I feel like chronologically we, we kind of tackled that in the perfect way. It really it, it flowed. It flowed well. Very, very natural. Travis was super easy to talk to and yeah. uh, and a really, a really wonderful, a really wonderful story. I don't know, guys. I had it on the clock there, and I think we were a little bit off on the 15, 15, 15, 15 minutes for oh, each yes, section. Right. But, but close. Yeah, right. But close. I'll, uh, I'll uh, slide this time. Yeah. Listen, folks, uh, if you haven't I, I, and I'll, I can't stress it enough. Uh, Netflix. It's a Netflix documentary. It's called Disclosure. Do yourself a favor, carve out an hour and a half of your day or an hour of your day, however long it is, and just watch that. It, it really is like um, it's a very important piece of film, I think, <clears throat> and um, and it'll give a lot of a lot of like great context into what it was that we were talking about today. But yeah, go do that and. Um, because honestly, if you're just gonna watch like Selling Sunset instead, then <clears throat> fuck, dude, don't waste your hey, time with hey, that hey, mind hey, numbing. Hey, 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 don't, Kyla, don't know that is. Kyla loves Selling Sunset. Yeah, so does don't know, <laughs> don't know, don't know what that is, and don't care to know. Uh, that is it. That is all. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. Uh, as always, we are coming to you with new episodes every Monday and every Friday for your little sick boy fix. Mm, getting that fix, that don't, sick boy fix. Nope. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, avoid the withdrawals every Monday and Friday. Uh, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast. But listen, if you can't get enough here, you might as well go on over to Instagram and or Twitter. Follow us at Sick Boy Podcast. And uh, if you have any questions or you've got some comments, you'd like to read us, uh, uh, read uh, and if you've well, got here, any- you know what, Taylor, let's take that back. Do it again. And, uh, and, <laughs> and, and action. I was gonna, I thought that we could edit that. And then you, and then you've just made, <laughs> then you just made it into a joke on the show. So here you go. If you've got any questions or you've got any goddamn comments that you'd like us to read on the show, or you want to apply for the show, you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact or email us directly at letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you're a physician, 
And you've got an answer for us on that crazy fucking yeah. uh, piece yeah. that we did with Travis just there about the her doctor, his doctor, and fucking just fucking write us letters at sickboypodcast.com. Uh, Sick Boy Podcast is co-produced by Jeremy Saunders, Lauren Sankey, Taylor McGilvery, and myself. And our social media is also run by Lauren Sankey. You know, guys, Lauren Sankey is like, if you were a baby, she's like a warm glass of milk. Mm. You know what warm I mean? Warm glass to shut the hell up. You're so, right. And, uh, and <laughs> Sick like Boy Podcast milk. What? is, yeah, if you're a baby, she would, you know, it just feels good. It feels right. Dude, she's babies drink, babies you know? drink straight from the teat, Brian. Yeah, I'm gonna, baby, I'm gonna take that. Like no, you mean, know, let's take let's I'm, let's take it. Brian, hold on, take it back. Okay, We're gonna do yeah, let me We're take it again. Take let two. me take it again. Two, take two. <laughs> I'm gonna do it for you. Uh, yeah. And action! If Lauren Sankey is a um, Lauren Sankey is a giant breast, and I'm a baby, and I am nuzzled up to that breast, sucking on that teat. We're gonna definitely what, have to cut that. That's no, that's it. what you meant. That's Isn't that what you meant? Resource. No, that's a <laughs> that's an HR guys. nightmare. We're have to file that. That's it. Yeah, we definitely Lauren, can't leave that Lauren, in. Lauren, tweet that. <laughs> if you're, tweet, if, tweet that verbatim. If you still are listening to this and we left all of that in, I am really sorry. Um, and you know, you can send your um, your complaint email to uh, Jeff Lonis, who's our manager, and he's totally responsible for everything that we do. Uh, otherwise, hopefully, the sound design took care of that, and Donovan the Meerkat Morgan does that. And uh, and you're listening to probably some music by by Donovan or Take Part or Rich O'Coin or somebody who does music to the show. <laughs> somebody within that library. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.